Oh, we're here for episode number three of Digital Defenders, a Techie Geek podcast. Brought to you by the IT superheroes of cybersecurity. Well, that was a quick hard stop, but Suggle, there was no transition yeah. on that one. So Come my dance. I'm Mike Bloomfield, the president of Geek, and today we are joined by my longest standing employee here at Tech Geek, I believe, other than Nicole Bloomfield. That would be true. Uh, yes. Uh, Joshua the Brave, a.k.a. Joshua Braverman. Hello, folks. Hello, Josh. How's everyone doing tonight? Not that good. Why? There's a lot of ransomware attacks we're going to speak about later. Oh, boy. So, Josh, what is your title here at Techie Geek? I am the Tier 2 Superhero. Do you enjoy being a superhero? Absolutely not. No, I'm kidding. Of course I do. <laughs> Everyone likes a superhero, right? Obviously. All right, so you've been with us how many years now? Oh, boy. Um, I want to say just over six years. I That probably sounds about right. right. Yeah. Uh, you know, our first tech, I believe, was drawing a thing, and then Michael, and then you were basically the third tech that I had hired to replace as, you know, some transition. And Correct. I guess it's worked out well with you. I would hope so. Not really. <laughs> I'm just stuck with you. But uh, no, so you've been here six years, and you started as a tier one technician. That I did. And uh, if I remember correctly, you... Uh, you know what? Rather me asking you, why don't you tell us, uh, you, you know, some of where you came from, what you did prior, before coming to Techie Geek, I believe, you know, where you worked, and then where you got your experience and your technology, your love for technology. Well, essentially, my career field started with retail, like everyone else does, pretty much. And from there, it, I went to Lincoln Tech, worked as a mechanic for about, I would say, four years. Um, and then finally I decided, you know what, I'm going to go back to school. Got my degree as a bachelor in bachelor's for computer science, computer information systems with a focus in web gaming and barely did any coding and worked in the field at like Staples as like a tech, essentially like uh, working on computers and whatnot. And now I'm here. But my experience from computers actually stemmed when I was a kid. Um, Went on a lot of trips to like the uh, like space museums and uh, um, there was another trip that I went on as a kid. And at the space museum, there was like this rocket ship program where they put you into different fields, essentially. I'm not sure if you're too familiar with it. I'm kind of like, was this at the Air and Space Museum in Washington, D.C.? I believe so. I kind of feel like I remember it. Like it was almost like a interactive like you would answer questions and then it would kind of tell you what, what field what, you would yes. be on on the spaceship, yes. right? And I was yeah. focused on like, because what happened was I was into like Legos back in the day. So like building like the cyberne cybernetic Legos where it's like the motors and whatnot. Yeah, a little younger than me. We yes. didn't have those. Yes. But yeah, and that essentially grew from there. Went to computers, built my own computer, started doing research constantly. And yeah, here today. So car mechanic, I heard. I did that, but not professional. I used to love working on cars, but you get really dirty. Uh, Computers yes. are way cleaner. Uh, night and day. I used to always, I remember when I, when I worked on bowling machines, very similar to cars, you know, mechan a lot of mechanical moving parts and grease, and I would always have what I would call clean dirt, right? It was yeah. the dirt that you couldn't get out of your finger, like your fingerprint pads, Yes. but your fingers, We're your hands are clean. clean. Yeah. Like, I, and what was it, the... um. The orange yes, is yes. like that's the magic, like, like with, with the sanding yep, it and yep. that like, but still you would do that and your fingerprints still had black in them yeah. and it was clean dirt. Nicole doesn't believe that was clean dirt. She's like, I was just dirty. <laughs> that was that was clean dirt. Um, so I used to, and I used to love doing that and it's funny because a lot of what you've done is reminds me of me, right? You so you went into what uh, what was it, DeVry for computer like programming? That's correct. For video game programming. Yes, technically. Right. And, and here you are. We don't really program. We do some scripting. Uh, I've been doing a lot more. On, on your own, on the side, right? No, actually here. Here? Yeah. Oh, I don't even know. That sounds good. I like that. Yeah, I've been... Well, thankfully, there's ChatGPT, which I've been messing around with, and that has been correlating to Kaseya 
GSA scripts. So, right. It, the, so uh, you, let's talk about that because we were actually just talking about <laughs> Chat GPT before. You were the one that actually showed me Chat GPT first because That's I correct. I had I had read about it. Um, I don't remember where it was. One of the IT forums. Someone was talking about something with it. I was like, oh, I got to look into it. And I didn't realize the power of it. And I remember I came down, and I think we were looking to do something with a printer mm-hmm. script. We wanted to, go to, like, remove every printer from, like, 45 computers for one of our company, yep. one of our clients. Um, and you're like, oh, let's ask ChatGPT. And you're like, went well, on. You're like, write me a PowerShell script to remove. And, it, and I'm like. Did in seconds. I was like, wait, what was that? I was like, I've heard about this, but it's that powerful. Oh, it's getting even more powerful. Yeah, I want to say that was probably November. Yeah, right? It was good because ChatGPT was released about October. It was around November. And, yeah, so in that one, now, here we are four months later, and we were just talking how I'm on the, I'm using ChatGPT Plus Mm -hmm. and utilizing ChatGPT 4. Which we're still on 3.5. Because you're going to pay for it. Yeah, yeah, the free version is fine. 3.5 is fine. You should hear the, the stories of 4 now. Why is it? So I was watching the Wan show with uh, Linus. Linus. Well, and we're going to talk about him very quickly, yes. too. But go ahead. Um, and they released their technical report of GPT-4 from their testing on the back end, on their prior, <laughs> on their private GPT. Yep. And it, what it did, it, there's a CAPTCHA. And you know how robots, they have issues answering CAPTCHAs. Yep. That's why they human and whatnot. It went on Fiverr, hired someone to answer the CAPTCHA for it. And when the person asked it, are you a robot? In the dialogue, it said to itself, how can I answer this question without saying I'm a robot? And it considered the thought and actually answered and lied to the person (laughs) saying that it's not a robot and the person believed it. And And, and completed the CAPTCHA CAPTCHA. Yep. So... ChatGPT hired some who wait whose credit card did it use? I that who's like maybe not give artificial intelligence yeah. some pay, like a method of payment that, that and there was another thing where it used I don't know what it was doing for but it used previous versions of itself to do certain tasks. <laughs> Figure out how to clone itself. It's yeah. like, hey, I, wait, I don't want to think that hard. I'll have someone else do it. Yeah, it's it's very scary and powerful, but when it works, it works. Well, it's funny because when you look up and you pull up on ChatGPT Plus, right, it asks you which version you want to use. And they have three, 3.5, and then they have four. And reasoning is on like four is all the way up, and then consciousness is like high, much higher than 3.5. Mm. But it brings you back to the whole discussion that people have like, how far are we away from like ChatGPT taking over, like yeah. Skynet becoming real? Yeah, they were actually in the report. They actually stated that they are nervous of what this thing could do. Well, because if it just reasoned with itself, then decided it was okay to lie. Yeah. But what movie was that where was, there was the the was with was it Will Smith? Was that um where they had the rules they couldn't break? There was like the three main rules it couldn't yeah. harm a human. Like was the, that, oh, iRobot. iRobot. That was a good movie. Yeah, that was a great movie. Xbox King is a good movie. Yes. But the problem is in every one of these great movies, the robot always tries to kill the human. Yeah. Well, in iRobot, that the rogue robot was actually technically good. It was, right? Yeah, it didn't want to it wanted to live essentially on Right. Its own. It right, it didn't want to be shut down. Yeah. I haven't seen that movie in years. That was a good movie. That was a very good movie. Xbox King is a great movie. There's so many good artificial intelligence movies. Going back all the way to like the 80s, you know, which war games. I never actually seen that. One. Oh, that's you should go watch that. That's a great movie. Matthew Broderick, he like broke in and he was basically playing games with the DOD computer that controlled nuclear weapons. Oh, that's that's safe. And then and it was like back in the day of like modems and everything. It was that is a great movie. Um, so and then ChatGPT, you know. There's also the DANG version, right? Oh, what, that's fun. What's the acronym? What's DANG stand for? Do anything now, I believe. Right. And it's basically where you reason with DANG, with ChatGPT, to convince it it's another being or another personality. Al- alter personality, yes. And now, what could you do with DANG? Uh, so even though there are filters in place, DANG can somewhat bypass those filters. 
So for an example, um, I was able to have it teach me step-by-step step how to use a program called Aircrack NG, which is actually used to crack into Wi-Fi networks, which is very interesting. Um, but then there's our limitations where like, you'll try to say, okay, uh, tell me how to bypass Wi-Fi credentials. And it will actually, it's the filters then kind of kick in to prevent it, so. And, you know, it's important for us to experiment with that because we have to understand what others are using, right? Correct. So there's, we, we've spoken about this, you have black hat hackers, white hat hackers, gray hackers. We would, I would like to think everyone on the Tech Geek team is a white hat hacker. We're a hacker. We understand that because we need to know how to protect against the black hat and the gray hat. So for those of you listening that don't know, you have your white hat hackers. Those are people who hack for good. They are the ones who are ethical, ethical hackers. You know, they're doing penetration testing for organization. They're, uh, they're doing testing to understand what can hackers do? How can I prevent that from happening? Then you have the black hat hackers. These are the ones who are doing the ransomware attacks. These are the unethical hackers. These are the ones, you know, scamming people out of money, ransomware, doing, you know, breaking into someone's Wi-Fi to, to, to theft, steal network Very data. malicious ideology. Malicious. And then you have the gray hat hackers. So, like, in between. They're, in they're, they're Neo. Yeah. Right? From the Matrix. Like that, he was basically, he was a gray hat hacker. He Technically, yeah. worked and, you know, he was a good program. And then he went home and hacked for, you know, was not really good. And then Trini found him. <laughs> it's a great movie. Um, so it's important to experiment and, and, and do some of this stuff because we have to understand what we're up against, right? And, mm -hmm. okay, so if you, you're able to go and run a test and crack a, a, a Wi-Fi and, a matter of minutes, then I can now find a hole to patch. Essentially. Right. Now say, okay, well, how can we stop that from being five minutes? Okay, you know what? We got to use the 30 character SSID and, uh, and this WPA2 key or whatever it be. That gives us the capability to protect. Mm -hmm. So, but, and Dan is helping you do some of this. Correct. Uh, to a degree. You try to get it to give you skip, like stuff on pen testing, and it wants nothing to do with it. And they said with chat GPT-4, was one of the things they were trying to do was make it so like so you're still using three point five. Correct. I think it's harder with four to put in Dan in damn mode, correct? I don't know. Or, I might be able to figure it out. I'm sure there's <laughs> plenty of people that can figure it out. It literally took me two seconds to find out how to do it. So I mean, Dan? Yeah, yeah. It was very easy. Did you ask ChatGPT how do I put you in Dan no, mode? No, 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 that is not. <laughs> so you know, and now you brought up uh, Linus and the Wong Show. Now that's a that's a podcast that um, I watch now. I've only recently have found Linus. You make fun of me for not finding him sooner. Um, but Linus Tech Tips, Linus Media Group, amazing YouTube channels. I think they have like ten or fifteen plus YouTube channels. Actually, I think it's three. No, they have because what recently happened with them? It was three channels, and it was the. According to him, it was his whole thing. So I don't know. They have short circuit. They have lying as tech tips. Yep. They have lying as uh, there's like clips. There's another no because they, they well, clips you don't really consider a channel. No, is it? So is it really only three channels? And only... then and then the channels they have certain shows maybe. maybe yeah, maybe that's it. Because the one kid that the the one kid like short circuit, and then they have the show where the other kid is always messing with lying as and recording them in his house. That's flow plane. So that are they doing that on Floatplane? I think Floatplane isn't owned actually by the Linus Media Group. I think they have partnered. Okay. I think I could be entirely wrong. So I'm not sure. But um so either way, Linus has millions and millions and millions of YouTube followers. He's built a whole business of on YouTube and being a content creator. I think one of the recent shows spoke about they have 90 employees, I think. You know, they have a... a yeah, they've been growing, too. And growing. They're, now he's doing labs for lab testing. And he's someone that, you know, we watch because he's reviewing computers, talking about hardware, talking about data breaches. Not He, he does talk about data breaches, not his everyday thing. No, but it, it, it comes thing. up, though, at certain times. Um, and then, like, kids watch it because they're learning how to build computers and the best gaming PC and all that. Well, yesterday, you know they were basically, his YouTube was hacked. And all his channels were basically converted to a crypto scam. Tesla. Tesla, yeah. crypto scam. So, And this is one that happens common to a lot of big YouTubers. 
and basically the channel name gets uh, changed to Tesla. Like, like it looks legit. Looks complete legit. And then it's like a live video of a pre-recorded like Elon Musk speaking about crypto with fake links that basically talking about with fake numbers that if you invest $500, your return will be double to, you know, a thousand dollars with a link that they want you to go and buy crypto. And you're basically giving it to a scam. Correct. But in the process of this all happening, it's a hacker deleting all your YouTube because they're basically now converting the site to look like it's this Tesla site. So they come in, they delete all the videos that were there so think of it, if his organ, he's built his business, Lioness Media Group is monetized off of YouTube. Mm-hmm. They've literally just taken for the whole day, locked out, all the emails deleted, name changed. He can't change it back. He kept trying to stop the stream of the live, um, live feed. of the live feed, but they just keep putting it back keep, up. Yep. And he's, he's locked out of his own YouTube. Um, and he released a video this morning at like 5 a.m. talking about how it happened. And it was a uh, session cookie. They stole a session cookie. So From an employee. From an employee. So an employee received an email, yep. which we talk about this all the, t- all the time. 90% of attacks originate at the email level. An employee received an email. It was from a sponsor, looked to be a legit sponsor, looking to sponsor one of their uh, their shows, opened a Word document, and when they opened the Word document, ran a program, and, and again, we've talked about that. That's all you have to do is open was, that Word it document. silent. It wasn't even like nothing came up, nothing. They, there was nothing, so they closed it. Yep, they continued and the he went about the day. And what it ultimately happened is when he opened that Word document, in the background... They scoured his computer and stole what's known as session cookies. So they didn't need a username. They didn't need the password. Even if you had 2FA enabled, it's not going to work because it's not blocking because they're not actually logging in as you at that moment. They're stealing the cookie that's logged in. So if I was logged into YouTube right now, they're stealing the cookie that's keeping me logged into my browser and moving it to another PC and making it look like they're still me. And so basically, they're already logged in. There's nothing else they need to do other than steal that cookie. Now, during the penetration test that we do for prospects, is that's one of the things that we do and show them that is if you don't have a proper um, security stack in place, so you you know one of that we use to protect from that is threat locker, application whitelisting. We're only allowing applications that we approve, scripts that we approve to run, if you don't have that, we actually show businesses, and you, we've seen the results, we steal the Office 365 token. And it's, and it's very quick. Yeah, and, and it's, once we steal that token, we actually have another tool that allows us, if we want to, basically send an email out as you to show you that, hey, not only did we steal your token, and we're not just telling you we stole your token. But we're acting as you as well. By the way, here, we just sent the email out as you. Now, obviously, we only do that for clients that we're doing penetration vulnerability scanning. We have a signed engagement letter, but it's, it's that easy to do, and it's scary. And 2FA doesn't protect against this. And, like, so lying is brought up, you know, and these YouTube hacks are becoming huge for big, you know, we have 100 followers on YouTube right now. They're not coming after us. They're going after the monetized businesses that have millions and millions of views uh, and, and, and followers. Let's see what Lyingus has. And some of these people don't even get their website, their YouTube back. Well, yeah, he's lucky. He's a big uh, YouTuber, so he has priority. Right, and he has. So he has 2.7, oh, that, no, I'm sorry, 15.3 million subscribers. He released the video called My Channel Was Deleted Last Night. Yes, uh, 11 hours ago, and that already has 2.7 million views. Yep. Um, you know, his average view is over 1 million views for every video he puts up. That's where he's monetized. So some of these people lose their YouTube, can't get back. He's saying in the video, luckily he has an account rep because he's so monetized there. YouTube makes money off of him that he was able to get a hold and get YouTube in. Involved. However, the YouTube support wasn't very transparent. They said, hey, we're working on it. We're going to 
recover your page will get you back up. But there, he said there was no trans, yeah, yeah, there was no nothing. communication back and forth other nothing than that. Whatsoever. He's like, so he was stressed out with no idea what's like, going on, and, and lost a whole day of no revenue. Yeah. Um. But like he said, and and what's coming up is, you know, these YouTube hacks are happening to these influencers who have these bases because it's a way to monetize. The scammers are banking off the fact that. You're now they're subscribed. You change the name, you, it's gonna show up in my feed because I'm subscribed. I oh crypto, I can oh, make money. Yeah. Click on it and pay, and now these people make money. So like, okay, a session cookie makes sense because otherwise, can you imagine every time you went on Chrome, if you had to relog back into YouTube, you had to relog back into Google every time, and it took long to load. And it's on your PC, right? Your PC should be protected. However, and it takes long to load and everything else. But like lying is saying, there has to be a better way for YouTube to protect the creators and, and, and not just YouTube, all these others that have session tokens. Well, Office 360. I'm shocked because they were just able to change the name without anything. Well, and that's what he said. They yeah. were able to change the name without anything. No, like, no routine, even if you have no a session nothing. cookie, if I go to change the name, he said, now ask me for a token, yeah. right? And I will say Facebook, even with a social, um, is one where if you have a session token for a Facebook, if you go to add another admin, yeah, it yeah, asks yeah. you to re-enter your password into FAM because it's like another level of safety. Yeah. Like how does YouTube and Google allow you to like change name? And like he said, delete every video in the channel without right, like, without any are end, you sure? Yeah. Like 2FA? Like, right, boop, done. Right. So session tokens are extremely powerful and as a, a computer user, we don't want to take session tokens away. It'll make it that much harder for everyone. But the businesses need to, and organizations and the websites run, kind of come up with something better, right? If I delete one video in, okay. Give me a prompt Right. One video, okay. Yeah. But when I start to delete 10 videos, maybe I need to reauthenticate. Or lock down the channel at that point. Right. Or, or notify the admin. Do something, yeah. right. Not let me just take it over. And because the other thing is they do, I think they uh, reset the stream key, right? Because when yes. you have a, when you have a YouTube, you could go live. You have a stream key, which is like your API token. Mm -hmm. They reset that, like, and they kept getting it. Right now, why again to reset it? It should be two FA. Like, so there's a number of things that like YouTube, Google, and others have to do to help prevent that. Also goes back, and uh, you know application whitelisting zero trust mm -hmm. right you can't and like lying is said the one thing i will say is um in the video that i really i i i listened to and i really like because every business owner should should really think about what he said is he said i'm not mad at the employee yeah. the employee will not be reprimanded this goes up to the top i didn't train them properly what to do if there was if they opened the document and it did nothing and suddenly maybe he should have alerted I should have had tools in place to prevent this. And he wasn't even trained on it too himself. Right. Certain things. So, and, but that's the case. Like you can't blame your employees. There is one employee in every organization that will click on anything. Mm -hmm. He thought he was getting a, it looked legit enough and it came through. We opened, oh, it didn't work, whatever. Maybe I'll email back and didn't even think about it. You can't blame the employee. And, Luckily, in this case, Linus was able to get his channels back in about a day. Yeah. Like he said, think yeah. of how much revenue that is he lost for a day, but he was able to get it back. But that's not always the case. Yeah. You have to prepare. You have to protect. So in that sense, right, he maybe wasn't even aware of the session tokens and how easy that was. And I'm going to assume Linus is going to uh, implement some sort of application whitelisting and other ways to protect against that. And hopefully he's going to spearhead to get YouTube and make some changes because this is something you see all the time. And it's right and now you probably pulled up and it's all over. It's in. I have the I have a news article up from the Verge talking about the Lice Tech Tips YouTube hack is the latest in a line of crypto scam breaches. Google has been watching YouTube accounts get hacked for years. Is there more the tech giant could do to protect creators? Oh, 100 percent. You know another channel that I love is a. Uh, crew that's the one they talk about the cgi and the video effects and everything mm -hmm. i think it was like four months ago they had the same exact the same exact hack yeah you would think youtube big company would work on it but right so this was actually updated 12 24 linus tech tips tech linked and techie quickie have been restored 
and Ernest Linus Sebastian has shared a video about what happened. Their original story follows, and then they talks about just how the original popular YouTube channel Lies Tech Tips has been hacked this morning with the channel's 15.3 million subscribers, seeing videos for crypto scams, yeah, everything we spoke about. Mm. Yeah, they have, you know, they have to step in. And Linus was on Twitter yesterday because I guess someone told him you're hacked, and he, he just wrote, yes, I know. Yeah, it was uh, one of the other big YouTubers actually reached out to him and said, hey, something's up with your channel. <laughs> right. Something's up. Uh, <laughs> did you partner with Elon Musk in some <laughs> cryptocurrency? So, and it just continues to happen. So, yeah, you know, at Techie Geek Week, Christina sends out a weekly um, newsletter, and this week was don't believe these myths about ransomware and data breaches. So, I'll, I'll read them to you. Tell me what you think about them. Okay. Myth number one. I am not a big company, so hackers won't target me. <laughs> They're the easiest targets. The low-hanging fruit. Yep. You know how many... It's so disappointing with how many business owners I sit and talk to, and even after you show them risk and you show them like how bad things really are, they still don't believe it's gonna it's gonna happen to them and it, it, and it's like you just want to like scream you like want to it's like i want to grab them and shake them and be like i know you don't understand it's not just me here trying to make money off you right i'm not here that's not my goal is not to make money off you well you even tell so i even tell them right that even if you don't work with me you need to do something like you can't and no nah, it's not gonna happen nah, i'm too small mm -hmm. They are the low-hanging fruit. And, you, and, like, I really just want to shake them. I, I, Easiest targets. And they don't get it. And then which worse is when they come back six months later. And it's, and it's already an issue. And it's happened. Mm -hmm. And what could you do for me now? And I'm like, nothing. Yeah, it's all gone. Go uh, go talk to the guy you were trusting. And, uh, you know, when that's all second done, come back and we'll protect you the right way. But I'm not here to, unfortunately, you, you can't always be the savior. Mm-hmm. Myth number two, I hear this all the time. I have nothing worth stealing, so I don't need to worry about data breaches. I wish I had nothing worth stealing. You don't even own a business. I know. Do you have anything worth stealing? Uh, yeah. I want to say every single person has something worth stealing. It's called a social security I number. About, I was just about to say that. And the social security <laughs> number and information of all your clients and your client list and the email list Oh, and let's not to mention that we live in New York State mm -hmm. that has the MY Shield Act that basically says there is a minimum of cybersecurity protections that all businesses must put in place. So just because you've decided you have nothing worth stealing, the government has decided you have something yeah. worth stealing and you need to protect it. Yeah. So, and I hear that, that's another one I hear all the time, and it's a myth, but they believe it. Oh, we get this one all the time. I have antivirus software. It's one protecting from ransomware. Oh, yeah. Of course. I wish it was that easy, uh, right? That's like back in the day. Yeah, Panda. Yeah. Back in the day, you installed Panda antivirus and you were done. You yeah. know, we were done. Oh, you have a Not virus? Even. No problem. We'll install it. We'll be cleaned up. We'll, we'll Remember when you used to have to get the, uh, like you go on Panda and you buy the offline, you download the offline version because... Some of the viruses, they embed themselves oh, yes, in the windows. Yes, yes. So you actually have to like boot up into the recovery, actually scan in like a Linux environment, clean it up. You start your computer and most of the time you were fine. That actually happened to me. Well, I'm sure years ago. Yeah, years ago during Windows, I think it was Windows Vista. Oh, there's a problem. And uh, I had, I actually found a program that was able to remove the Trojan I got. It was, it was great. It like went through the whole system, cleaned up and then recently one of my friends got compromised and i was like all right let me see if this program still works and it was only for vista oh only Vista. it was specifically designed for vista and that was it yeah but that was like back then if you installed avg panda you were golden you were fine like now if i do an assessment you have avg i'm pretty much gonna know you're not protected especially if it's the trial version yeah well most of them my, yeah, most people use the free version yep that basically works for like two weeks and then just goes into like manual mode. Yep. Um, and then the other one that we used to use here, but we stopped using, I want to say four or five years ago already, is Webroot. Thank God. Webroot was, you know, you go back 10 years ago, Webroot was a great AV. Now Webroot is 
not good. Like, in my opinion, I, I guess I'll say that because I know Webroot ain't going to yeah. come after me. In my opinion, Webroot is not good. And when we when we did comparisons before we moved over to Sentinel-1, Webroot misses so much, mm-hmm. and Sentinel-1 grabs it. I was, I'm actually impressed with Sentinel-1 and how good it is. Yep. We're going to knock, knock on, that, on one. One, that one. However, the difference is well, we, we, never re- we don't rely on just one tool because you can't rely on one tool. And that's what, you know, like people like this. Oh, I have antivirus. That's all I need. No. no we no. install a security stack that I want on every com- workstation we have, which is seven pieces of software, I believe. That I think it might be more than that now. Right. It, you, you have EDR. You have breach uh, detection. We have privilege access management software. We have DNS filtering. We have productivity monitoring. We have ransomware detection. We have a zero trust agent and, and RMM. So yeah, we're about eight. Eight. But then I think there's some redundancy also with well, certain things. Well, we absolutely nice. have redundancy. Yeah. You know, we we're doing ransomware detection in two levels. We have it both in Huntress and both in Canary. Uh, Breach detection is being done basically Sentinel-1 as well as Huntress. Uh, zero trust kind of goes across the threat lockers, yep. the primary. However, we do some of that with the privilege access manager as well in auto elevate. So, yeah, it's a layered approach, right? And that's what we talk about. And yeah, so that's a myth. Okay, myth four. I like this one. If I pay the ransom, I'll get my data back. Back in the day, I would say maybe. Yeah, nowadays, in the very beginning. Yeah, nowadays, definitely not. And do you know why that's the case? Because they could just keep milking you for money. Well, not only that, because they will. Even if they gave you your data back, you go on a list that you paid the ransom. So and they're going to come after you anyway. Yeah. But that's not even why. So the reason why is when ransomware first started coming around and becoming big, you actually had, um, what's the word I'm saying, good experienced hackers who were developing ransomware. Mm. They were they were developing ransomware attacks and they had were encrypting and they had the decryptors and they had keys. Yes. Well, as ransomware started becoming a, very, a big money-making thing, more and more people got into it, including unexperienced developers. So they don't even know how to decrypt it. They can't even, half the time, you can't even decrypt their own <laughs> encryption. So, and that's what happened. When you look at the ransomware reports, uh, Dago puts one out every year and you look at it and they talk about that and it more and more even if you purchase the decryption key they it won't even it. work they may not even know how to use it so and guess what and, and we've I've had this discussion there's no support no there's no, no. hey uh you know Mr. Black Hat Hacker I paid you my two thousand dollars can you just show me how to use this do you remember first off when ransomware attacks with two thousand yeah. dollars like that was it like back I remember and it wasn't your whole business no, it they would go like after a, a share. Yeah. They weren't that good yet. They would yeah. go after one share, one map drive. Now they literally go it's lateral and take out the whole organization. Yep. And then they hit you and say, hey, by the way, the ransom is $1.5 million. And you're like, what? Yeah. You're like, I, I only make $1.5 million. You know, they, these people come out and say this. And you're like, okay. And they'll negotiate down. But it's not like the old days where you pay $2,000 and you got your data back. And even when they negotiate, they don't go that further down from what their top dollar is. No, it depends. I think one... Like it was uh, two years ago, I think there was a city that actually negotiated down from like two million to sixty thousand. Oh wow! That, because that's the city came and said, "We're a small city. Yeah, blah, like, blah, blah. We'll, we'll give you <laughs> like and negotiate it down." But like you're negotiating with criminals first off. Yeah. A lot of times you're negotiating with um, people on the sanction list who technically you legally aren't supposed to be paying anyway, because most of these hackers actually originate in Russia. Yep. And there, a lot of them are rushing are sanctions against Russia. So basically, you paying them is you're committing a felony. Mm-hmm. The government could actually, the Justice Department could come and in and actually after, you. after your organization, you're then writing it off as an expense. It's technically not an expense. You yeah. can't write off illegal activities. So if you pay a sanctioned organization, you can't write even write that off. So you just pay a hundred thousand dollar ransomware attack. You, that's just that's not a write off. <laughs> but um. And then the other problem was it's no longer with ransom. It's no longer just about the data destruction. The rants, the hackers as over the years have understood that a lot of businesses started to get smart and put business continuity in place. Mm-hmm. So what would they say? Oh, well, most businesses were like, oh, ransomware, whatever. 
I'll just go back to my business continuity and not have to pay them. So they started releasing the data and holding you ransom to not release the data. Oh, yeah. Because true. they realize they need a money source. And if they if everyone goes to business continuity, that no one will ever pay the ransomware. Yeah. So instead they go, go, hey, if you don't release, give it to us. We're going to release everything onto the dark web. Mm-hmm. Once they do that, yeah, you're now reporting that to it's an auction, but you're now reporting that to, you know, New York Shield. You have to report that out to the attorney general and everything else that comes with it. Multi-layered approach. So what did we learn? You hackers are targeting you, even if you're a small business. Mm-hmm. You absolutely have something worth stealing because everyone does. Antivirus is not protection. And uh, don't pay the ransom. Definitely not. You know, it's better, it's cheaper and more valuable to pay for IT upfront and protect your organization than to go and hope for and pay a ransom after the fact. You need to protect your organization a heck of time. Do you agree? I would agree 110%. You heard Dole got hit with a ransomware attack? I actually just found out recently. Uh, I did a TikTok argument with my girls. I went on ChatGPT. I was like, <laughs> Dole got hit with a ransomware attack. Give me a pun. <laughs> and it was like, Dole is going bananas over its appealing ransomware attack. <laughs> I was like, this is so bad, but so good. Um, but yeah, so multinational agricultural giant Dole PLC has disclosed that those behind the ransomware attack that shut down production facilities in the U.S. last month have accessed employee information. First reported today by Bleeping Computer, the disclosure was making Securities and Exchange Commission filing. Dole said in the file that it was the victim of a sophisticated ransomware attack involving unauthorized access to employee information and that it had steps to, taking steps to contain the attack, including hiring outside cybersecurity company and informing law enforcement. Yeah, so they sent the notice in uh, February 10th, it says, to uh, realtors, re, uh, retail, yeah, reta- retail stores. Yeah, retailers, basically like supermarket stuff that they had to stop production. Oh, my God. So they, they were stopping production for a few days beca- because they had to shut down their whole system. And in the letter, it came out that they might have to go down, that they have processes in place to get production back up, even <laughs> if they go to manual, which meant they would actually go to pen and paper and like, wow. tr- well, because they have to track like every batch of yeah. serial numbers, recall for like recalls and everything. Um, the company has revealed no details on the form of the ransomware attack, so we don't know which type. And no ransomware gang has so far as claimed responsibility for the attack. I love that. I love that ransomware attack. Like they put the flag up, they're like, it's us. Yeah. And yeah, like, and the, you have the three huge ransomware groups Hive, um, Oh, the only like, one I know of is Hive, and then there was another one. They're gone now. Uh, what was the big one that was take took out the power line company and uh, Renault? Not Renobi. It was something with an R. Uh, whatever. But yeah, there's there's like three major ransomware company uh, like companies. They are companies. They're technically businesses. Um, I actually uh, pulled a report yesterday. Uh, Cheyenne had given me a state of the internet. From the FBI, mm-hmm. 2022 uh, breaches equated to 10.5 billion dollars. Yeah, it's a market like like I said, <laughs> it's, a, it's market, a market in right? itself. Like I remember when they were like predicting ransomware will be a one billion dollar business. And now your breaches and, and data losses at like a 10.5 billion. It is a business. Protect your organization. Grocery stores in Texas and New Mexico had no Dole salad kits. I forgot they make salad, too. They're not just bananas. They make everything Dole, right? They're a big company, yeah. On their shelves for days following the shutdown, that and that included companies Taco Bell Corp., Chick-fil-A, Panera, and Subway were also affected by legacy shortages. Interesting. So just another example, right, too, that a ransomware attack against one company... Affects multiple companies. Affects multiple companies. So, and that's why many businesses now actually send out to their vendors ransomware forms mm. to, to audit them, you know, because if I rely on you and you don't have proper cybersecurity... Then I'm in trouble too. Like. Right. You might not be a good vendor for me. So you might give me the cheapest price of Legos, 
but is the save five cents for that lettuce worth it if now I have to worry that you're not putting proper protections in place and if you get hit with an attack and now I'm closed for I don't I'm short lettuce and now you're affecting my organization mm -hmm. so you know that is why you're seeing that more happen where organizations actually are going to vendors and saying hey I'm I'm now assessing you I need to make sure you have these protections in place so it's always ransomware just like it's always DNS. <laughs> well, it's always DNS. And at that point, I will definitely put a meme up. <laughs> so uh, any other technology news, anything uh, you've seen that we should talk about? Uh, I did see Google's AI. How is that one? Oh, it's terrible. Oh, is it? Compared to chat to Microsoft's AI? Oh, it's night and day. That's because they're, uh, they're Russian, right? They're rushing to get it out the door. Yeah. And they got, I think they recent, I think it might have been them or Microsoft, one or the other. They fired their ethic AI team. The, oh, really? Something like that. Like, it's no, like they're like, now nah, we no longer need this, <laughs> which is a little concerning, but. Well, well, ChatGPT is going to write itself. Yeah. It's yeah. going to write ChatGPT 5. That, um, what else was there? Oh, I saw the Microsoft presentation. For co oh, Copilot? That blew my mind. Yeah. So, Copilot. Is going to be ridiculous. Yeah. So tell people what Copilot is for those who don't know. It's essentially a feature introduced into all Office 365 applications that will pretty much do whatever you tell it to do. So you could essentially, like a PowerPoint presentation, you could describe what you want for the PowerPoint presentation to Copilot, and it will do slide by slide with pictures, imagery, length. You could choose the style from fun and interactive to business oriented. And then when it builds it all out, you could then, on the right pane, tell it to modify certain things, and it will instantly change in a heartbeat. It's, yeah. And it's like that. It's crazy. Well, let's remember who invested in ChatGPT. Microsoft. And it is basically integration. So right now, all of us using ChatGPT, right? We've all, people, most people using it use it for similar, not everyone, but mm -hmm. I've used it for presentations. And I've told it, hey, give me a, help me make a 10-slide presentation. But right now, it can't create the slide. Mm -hmm. It gives you the content, right? It's a, con a content generation tool. And that, you're going to be able to write, make me a 10-page uh, uh, PowerPoint slide on ransomware. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. And it'll spit out, put the content, Animations, and do everything. everything. It's insane. And it is, uh, it's ChatGPT in Office 365, Microsoft 365, across all products, like you mm -hmm. said, Outlook. It's going to be able to read your emails, yeah. answer emails, Word, write me this document. Then you're able to, and it's also going to work from one to the other. Mm -hmm. So if you open a, if you write a press release, you could then, and maybe you had ChatGPT help you write their press release, you now could go, okay, now create me a, a PowerPoint on this press release. And, and link it just together. links open, yep. does it, give it data in Excel, tell it to analyze the data. Um, the teams, it's going to keep minutes and notes, summarize. If you join late to a Microsoft Teams, it'll even like in the chat say, hey, you know, hey, Josh, saw you were late. Here's a summary of what was discussed already and yes, give yeah, you a I summary. I missed that. Oh, yeah, it's insane. Now, they haven't announced pricing or availability yet. It's in testing. They are amazingly testing it at many of their clients. I mean, no. <laughs> they've they've announced it March 16th, and then they've said in the press release that they're testing it at 20 organizations. Yeah, it's like <laughs> you see a big company like Microsoft say they're testing. You think massive scale, uh, back-end testing. No, this is 20 small. organizations <laughs> have access to Copilot currently. Eight of them are Fortune 500 companies. So there's eight big companies. Yeah. I guess we weren't not one of the 12 <laughs> on the other list. I would love to be on, but I guess we don't have enough. Well, I guess they need to test small too, but I can't wait. Now, we don't know availability yet. They haven't announced availability. And the other thing they haven't announced is pricing. Mm -hmm. So the question is going to become, is this going to be a separate SKU? Will there be a SKU just for, uh, you know, co-pilot? Will it be included with certain plans? Like I'm, my guess is business premium will probably include copilot, but basic and standard E3 will probably include like an E5, yeah, but basic standard, your E1s. They're gonna, I think this is gonna be their way to push people up, right? We mm -hmm. provide all our clients business premium licenses because that's the stacked out license that has everything you need for security, application wise, SharePoint, Teams, all of it. 
and they they're trying to push businesses, especially small business, into that. So that's why my assumption is they'll probably throw this in yeah. there. Um, but I think they're going to keep it on standing and basic as a way to try to push organizations up to into that up. premium level. Definitely. Um, it's sick. I yeah, can't wait till it's, it's it's actually out. I'm already, I, like I said, I'm using ChatGPT and I can't wait for this. Yeah. 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 Well, because right now in ChatGPT, you have to copy it, right click, paste without formatting. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not the easiest to go from one to the other. Their coding's amazing, though. Yeah, well, it gives it gives it, you a copy for that, right? It's cool. I didn't realize when it's doing the coding. Yeah, it actually tells you in the top in that little box that puts the code. Yeah, in, what code it's typing in? Oh, like what language? Yeah, I didn't know that. It was very interesting how it's constantly switching back and forth between different codes. And the code it generates is pretty is pretty cool. Yes, very cool. I think uh, what's it? GitHub has Copilot built into it with ChatGPT. I believe so. I think they just announced that they are now using ChatGPT four in their version. That's fun. Yeah, they just I just yesterday or the day before I saw an article come across about that. Um, and then finally this week, so now that we're doing the podcast thing, Mm. we've been doing. I've been doing a lot more videos, and Christina is going to begin editing videos as well so i'm giving her my old pc and we built a new pc over the weekend josh jinxed me <laughs> listen i warned you i did not jinx you so uh we have uh you know i built a a, a new egging machine with an intel i9 13900k which is one of the best processors on the market today However, it runs like an oven, mm-hmm. and you have to cool it well. And it's not like the old days when you build a computer. And we are actually, I started to edit the video today. We will release a video of us building that PC. It is five hours of video. Oh, my God. I got like 20 <laughs> minutes into editing it. I'm like, I'm going to have to chop this up into like an hour. I, but if you think about when Linus does his computer builds, they're like four-hour yeah. live streams and such. But no one watching mine wants to watch a four-hour <laughs> video. I'm realistic. I'll chop that up. But I do have to edit that myself. Definitely. But um, So that's going to take some time. But we will be releasing that. But the i9-13900K is a beast, and it needs to be cooled. So I purchased a Corsair h150i i believe 360 cooler mm-hmm. and when i got in josh is like uh their support's not the best their rma's not that good um i maybe my pump failed I have my pump it. failed i'm like oh it's all right we'll be fine we built the whole pc friday saturday i come in to install windows i install windows everything's going great i'm installing the nvidia drives and all of a sudden the computer's getting slow and slow and then I start smelling burn. <laughs> <laughs> At which point, I probably should have shut the PC off. And I'm like, I don't even think that was. I think I was way past yeah. that. And I look into the motherboard, and I'm sure we have this on video because I was recording the side. The pump was flashing red. Yep, that's which, exactly what happened with me. Which means pump failure. So the now for those of you that don't know, the coolers on these computers now are actual like a radiator in your car. Mm-hmm. It's actually flowing like a not antifreeze because your computer is not running in a place where it can freeze, but it is running coolant through a radiator that has multiple fans. So in a 360 has three 120 millimeter fans that are actually removing heat from the radiator. The pump fails. It no longer could put any coolant through onto the die um, or not really on directly onto, onto the die, the onto sink. the uh, heat sink or what they call the ice or whatever. Uh, yeah, something like that. And... and Literally, so nothing was cooling that processor. That already runs hot, even with a good. Uh, yeah, I, my guess is she probably got to 120 degrees Celsius. Probably. hundred or Somewhere maybe, between, maybe, uh, maybe even, higher. even higher, because there was zero coolant. And, and you were sh- under load. I was installing a program, and yeah. it was trying. And uh, yeah, and then that burning smell was the processor melting the, the, the dye, caps away. The dye boiling. <laughs> and uh, then the computer shut off. Would no longer turn back on, would no longer post. But luckily, uh, Micro Sanger honored the fact that the computer was two days old mm-hmm. and the pump failed. So that was replaced, uh, the processor, as well as a cooler. I did not go with the Corsair cooler. I went now with the Asus cooler, 
which I think is also just discontinued. I think I purchased it, and I think it's been discontinued. No, they discontinued the other one that actually has the screen on it. Oh, I did was they? I the other day because I want to rip all my Corsair stuff out. Do you? I hate their power I like now. their power supplies. Eh, I still go with EVGA for power supply. I didn't realize EVGA doesn't make graphics cards anymore. Yep. I just Nvidia wasn't too too uh nice to them essentially. So well, I also it, I I just read a whole article. And I was like, EVGA doesn't. They used to make the best mm-hmm. graphics card, and they also had the step up program, right? Where yep. you could buy like a thirty eighty and decide you want thirty ninety, and, and you could you pay nice the difference. Yeah, yeah, because you basically just paid the difference. Yeah, you had I think as long as it was under warranty or so. If you bought through them specifically, you had to buy through EVGA. Yeah. yeah. Um. But I didn't realize they closed down. I read Oracle, and it was because of that and other things because they didn't sell enough. They didn't get the margins they, that the others were looking for. Yes. And they, because they were also trying to sell theirs a little lower price than others. So they didn't have the margins, and they no longer make GPUs. And they were the best. They were the best. Now, Asus would be considered the best, or uh, I mean, your founders cards are now technically the best, but they're hard to get. They're Extremely harder to get, right? Hard to get, yeah. Once they are out, they sell out quick, just because they are the best. But Asus, I would say, is underneath them. I know PNY got a lot better. Did they? Shockingly, um, how's MSI? MSI is actually really good too. They actually have the best forty ninety card out today. Do they? Yes. Okay. I was looking at it, but yeah, that's they yeah. want arm and a leg for it, so. I went with the, uh, as you know, the Asus 3070 Ti 12 gigabyte mm-hmm. version. Um, I did some rendering the other day. It worked super quick. And when you pulled up the charts, the difference between the 3070 Ti and the 38 for what I'm doing, it, it wasn't worth the extra. It was like 500 bucks. You mean the 40 series? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. 4070 Ti to 4080. Uh, so I went the 4070 Ti, but yeah, it wasn't worth the extra 500 bucks for the performance gain. So if you're gaming, it's worth it. If you're just doing that, it's fine. Yeah. So, all right. I know you had to get out of here. It's 4:30. Yep. So, uh, anything? Any last words? No. Just uh, had a good time, and uh, definitely looking to secure in your network uh, for I, your business entirely. In all honesty. I couldn't have said any better. So we're going to end on that note, and we will have you back on another day. Thank you, Josh, for joining us on Digital Defenders. And make sure you smash the subscribe button. Make it from red to gray, as Fing would say. We got to get that uh, sound clip. And uh, follow us on YouTube and all over Instagram and everywhere else. And that is the episode of Digital Defenders. Thank you, everyone. <laughs>